This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, maliki wa midin. Allahumma laka alhamd, wa ilayka al-mushtaka, wa bika thiqa, wa alayka tuklan, wa la hawla, wa la quwwata illa billahi al-alayhi al-azim. رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل عقة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم لا السهل إلا ما جعلته سهلا وأنت تجعل الحزن إذا شئت سهلا اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا وحبيبنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه ومن اهتدى بهديه واستنى بسنته ودعا بدعوته إلى يوم الدين إن شاء الله تعالى We are continuing our tafsir class weekly tafsir class and I say weekly although the last two weeks um, there were some absences I sincerely apologize for that uh, there was uh, some personal reasons why I couldn't make the lesson, but the hope is, um, I'm sure Ali is giving me a look. <laughs> the hope is to have it, inshallah ta'ala, every, every week on Wednesday. So last time, uh, we discussed one ayah, and it was a very important ayah. In the book of Allah, all of it is important. Verse 177 of Surah Al-Baqarah, where we spoke about righteousness or where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught us what truly righteousness is. The beauty of this verse, it really encompasses for you the main message of Islam. And the reason uh, righteousness was being discussed is because the ayahs that came before, uh, a lot of it was about um, people who chose to obey and some people who chose to disobey. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's uh, the command that he was given of the qibla change and the reaction to that. So uh, first the sahaba and the prophet were praying towards uh, Jerusalem and then, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala changed that rule and they were told to pray towards the, the qibla, Mecca. And people reacted to this. And you had some saying, uh, some of the Yahud saying, well, we liked you as a messenger when you were praying to the place that we like. But now that it's been changed, you're not a messenger, we don't believe in you. So this reactionary method of, of you deciding the morality that you're okay with, or you deciding the, the obligations you're okay with, this part of Islam, I like it. I like Islam when we were praying to Jerusalem, but I don't like Islam now that we're praying to, to Mecca. This type of mentality which you'll find present uh, with, with, uh, with people today as well, choosing to like certain aspects of Islam, and other aspects. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching us that it's not about the qibla change, but it's about the one commanding you. It's not about the individual commandment. It's about the obedience and the, the hearing and obeying. And why was it that the first juz of Surah Al-Baqarah mainly discusses, mainly discusses the Yahud, the people that Prophet Musa was sent to, because they failed in that concept of obedience. Rather than saying what the Sahaba said, which was, Sami'na wa we hear and we obey, they said, Sami'na wa we hear, but we disobey. And they kept on not listening to their Prophet. And this surah, among its main objectives, is to teach you how to live your life as a true Muslim, and how if you do it, and you do it, and you do it, and we all do it, we will be able to build a community that is similar to the community of these great prophets, such as Rasulullah Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and the Sahaba, which was based on a willingness to submit 
Hence why we are being told about one of the greatest submitters, Ibrahim alayhi salam, in previous ayat. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the previous ayah told us about what is it really, what is righteousness. And then Allah said, Laysa al-birr. Wasn't the discussion about facing this way or facing that way? And then Allah says, Laysa al-birr. Righteousness is not only. And to face towards east and towards west. But true righteousness is what? First, it is your iman. The pillars of iman were mentioned. So righteousness starts with what you believe in. Believe in Allah. Believe in the angels. Believe in the right things. Here you learn an important lesson. Good deeds without belief, it doesn't work that way. It starts with having the right iman, the right belief. What's first mentioned? mentioned? Faith and belief. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned the, uh, the righteous actions. And the righteous actions of a Muslim, they are generally speaking revolving around either servitude to Allah or service to creation. This is a qa'id, always remember. And it's a nice way of explaining Islam to someone that doesn't understand it. What is Islam? Service to Allah and service to His creation. Service to Allah in ibadah and worship and service to His creation in helping them and avoiding harming them. This is what it means to be a, a Muslim. So Allah says, Righteousness is to give your wealth even though you love your wealth. It's easy to give a thousand. If you're a millionaire, it's a lot harder when all you have is one thousand, right? So, when you give sadaqah, while you really want your money, this is righteousness. Uh, will, and who do you give it to as well? The qurba, wal yatama, wal masakin, wa bani sabil, wa sa'ilin, wa firriqab. All of the people that are in need or are close to you are mentioned. Your relatives, the orphans, the people that don't have enough, the traveler, those that ask you. Remember, some ask you and they have, uh, someone might ask you and you might be thinking, hmm, this person looks okay. I don't want to give him. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling righteousness that you give those that ask you. Even if you think they might not be the most in need. Because you don't know what's going on in their life. Right? So, and you spend your money in freeing people. And then Allah went back to uh, speaking about the ibadat. And then, establishing the prayer, giving zakat, and keeping your amana, keeping your trust. The first trust you need to keep is to Allah promise to worship him and also to the people. One faida. one of the things that's discussed often is ensuring that your heart doesn't become like a stone, like a rock. And when that happens, all day if people are reminding you of adab or Allah, nothing nothing changes, right? This is one of, it's a sickness. May Allah protect us from it. Qasatul qalb. When your heart becomes like hard, Right? One of the reasons that happens is breaking promises. Ibn Rajab, when he was he wrote a book about reasons why someone's heart becomes like a like a stone, like a rock, like nothing affects it, and he mentions many reasons. And those reasons are mentioned in the Quran and in the Sunnah. He also mentions reasons to soften your heart, and there are very interesting ones. For example, one of them once you soften your heart by uh, taking care of the of the orphans, and the Prophet ﷺ said, uh, if you want your heart to become soft. Right? Give food to the needy and wipe the head of the orphan. Meaning, be kind, show them kindness, right? This is some of the things that will help soften your heart. What hardens your heart? Many things. An example he gave, and this is the reason I mentioned it, is Allah says in the Quran, Because of the promises and the covenant that they broke, 
نقضي ميثاقهم لعناهم بكستم وجعلنا قلوبهم قاسية and we made their hearts hard so what are some of the reasons breaking your promises whether that's to Allah or to people you need to be very careful with that as well he mentions many others it's a very good book that you can refer back to I would advise all of you to read it طيب uh, this ayah continues so this ayah generally speaking we mentioned we covered most of it last week uh, 177 it teaches you true righteousness which revolves around worshiping Allah properly and helping Allah's creation and avoiding harming Allah's creation um, and also then having patience when things happen to you such as illness and sickness Allah said those who do all of those things that we mentioned they are the truthful ones truthful in what? in their claim that they are true believers and they are the ones that have piety. Now here is the verse that we're going to go in tonight. Tonight is going to be a fiqh lesson almost. And it's not going to be a fiqh lesson that is easy, that's dealing with tahara and salah. We are dealing with uh, the later chapters of fiqh. And I mentioned in my very early lessons, Surah Al-Baqarah has a lot of fiqh in it. But you have to kind of go through most of uh, the first juz, if the first juz and a little bit of the second juz when you get to it. So a lot of our lessons are going to be dealing with transactional law, the Islamic uh, law related to uh, retribution, what happens when someone kills someone, what happens when someone steals, what, what happens, uh, what are some of the uh, laws in place for uh, inheritance. We're going to be getting into a lot of ayats that are dealing uh, with that, inshallah uh, ta'ala. A lot of fasting as well. Uh, what is the ahkam of fasting? Tayyib. Uh, Allah says, Ya ayyuhal ladina amanu, O you who believe. Kutiba alaykum al-qisasu fil qatla. O you who believe, retribution, equal and fair retribution is prescribed for you in cases of murder. In cases of murder or killing. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, The free man for the free man, the slave for the slave, the female for the female. Now what does that mean? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that if you, whoever you are, if you kill someone, there will be retribution. And in Islam, what you're going to learn now is the, the penal code in Islam, the, the law is that if someone kills someone, that person has given up the right to live. Everyone has a right to live. Everyone has a right to live. The moment you kill someone, and you kill someone بغير حق. Allah after you in the Quran بغير حق. Without do right. Meaning what? Uh, for example, uh, if we say that those who kill can be killed, the executioner is not going to be held responsible. Although he killed. Why? Because he did it with do right. Does that make sense? If someone is attacking you and it was self-defense, it is within your right. So those people are not involved. But if you do it without حق, if you do it to an innocent person, then you, at that moment, your, the sanctity of your life is compromised. The sanctity of your life, which was intact prior to the killing, is now what? Compromised. And in Islam, we, what you'll find very interesting is that the Yehud and their law, the Mosaic law, if you will, or the Torah, you'll find the concept of an eye for an eye, right? An eye for an eye. It's very clear. And the concept of killing, the one who kills, is also very clear. You'll find in the Bible, and we shouldn't 
reference the Bible and assume it is from the law of Isa, but you find the Bible almost a abrogation of that, right? And say rather than say eye for an eye, it is turn the other cheek, right? So there is completely no punishment for the one who kills as it relates to also killing them. Now you have those very two extremes, and you have within Islam, it's always in the middle. Just like the Yahud denied Isa to be a prophet and called him Waladuzina, meaning uh, a child that was born out of wedlock, and the Christians went into extreme and venerated him to the point where they said he is God, right? Or the Son of God, depending on uh, the, who, who's, who's explaining it. Islam said, no, 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 this is Ghulu, this is extreme. He is a prophet and he is a man, right? So this, you see that balance. You'll see the balance again here within the Sharia of Islam, and the Sharia from Muhammad sallallahu that the option is present to uh, the law of if you kill someone, because of that action, that evil action that you've done, you've compromised your, the sanctity of your life, you can be killed. It's not necessary. It's not a must. It can happen. But you can also be forgiven. And there are other options in place as well. And that law is in place. The reason that law is in place, that very strict law is in place, Allah mentioned it in the following ayah, that to, for this strict law to be present, what it does is it helps uh, uh, it, it, it preserves life Because when the murderers Or the would-be murderers know That if they do this Then they might be killed This will discourage many people From committing murder This is the, the hikmah behind it But in this same verse Allah says Allah mentions options of forgiving the culprit Options uh, that, that mention other ayat Of, of uh, a, almost like a lawsuit Paying blood money Rather than being killed. So there are options available. So not every single murderer in Islam is executed, but some may be. And some other, there are other laws in place. So it's not a complete abrogation of the, of the law, but it is also a, a toned down version where other options are available. Another very important point to make is that within Islam, this is how it works. If one person, person A, kills person B, what happens? There is an investigation, and the first step is to figure out who killed him, right? Who killed him? We already covered a story of who is the killer in Surah Al-Baqarah, in the beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah, right? Um, if you, they call them who uh, done it, right? Uh, if you, if you, so uh, uh, when the Ben Israel person, the the, um, the was it a son-in-law, he killed, he, he killed, he couldn't wait for the inheritance, so he killed someone, and and then later I was found out who did it. So there has to be an investigation. We can't just assume Talha did it, right? We have to have there's an investigation. The investigation, the family is not necessarily involved, right? The authorities are involved. A lot of people don't understand that when there is an Islamically run government. It has all of the checks and balances in place that you'd assume another government would have. A murder happens, there's an investigation, they look into it. Once they look into it, there's, of course, a low, uh, this is a process. Finally, it is decided that the culprit is this person, right? Then they also hold a court session, right? And they can actually appeal. They can appeal. Uh, for example, the witnesses are scrutinized. Is this person a reliable witness or is he not? 
This is studying the qada. Not everyone can be a witness. And they will scrutinize them in certain ways. Like for example, if this person is known to never come to the jama'ah or the prayer, or he's a known liar, or he's, or he's done fraud before, and as I was a witness, I saw him stab him. He, he, he can, this witness can be scrutinized. So there's an actual system in place. Right? There's a loads of things that are done. And fine, and, and not everything is primary evidence. In Islam, we have something called primary evidence. And we've got secondary evidence. Certain evidence will be secondary. Others will be considered primary. It's, there is a whole system in place. After all of this is done, and then it is said, okay, this person A is the killer. And the hukum is done that he has killed this person. He is guilty. When that is done, when the guilt, this is done by the court, not by the family. But after the, the declaration of guilt is done, the choice of what will happen to him goes to the family. And this is not the case in, in, in most countries today. The government decides. And a lot of times families feel, feel robbed because they would love to have it. Imagine your brother got killed and he is put in prison for 20 years and in 15 years he's out with good behavior or whatever the case is, right? And you, so the sharia puts the responsibility of the investigation and the, the, the uh, verdict upon the, the, the law, the shuyukh, the qudat, the, the judges. But then once that is done, options are put on the table for the family. Option one, now that he is guilty, do you want him executed or not? That is an option available, Right? Another option is, do you want to forego the execution, but him and his family must pay you uh, uh, blood money? Or do you want to forego all of that and forgive them? And then uh, what does Islam tell us? It is best to forgive, and there's a great reward in it. But these options are made available to the family. Now, let's read the ayah. Ya ayyuhal ladhina amun, oh you who believe, kutiba alaykum, it has been made obligatory upon you, Al-Qisasu, retribution. Fil-Qatla, when murders happen, there should be a retribution, right? Here's, please don't misunderstand this ayah. This is, this is not for you and me. This is not for us to start getting, getting, getting retribution whenever someone is killed. Who does this? When there is a government in place, and when there is a, when, uh, there is an authority in place who can manage this, this process. In Islam, Vigilantism is never condoned. You can't take the law into your own hands. This has to be done by the authorities, by the qadi, and, 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 and they, they do it. But when they are applying the Quran and the Sunnah, the way I described it is done. There's an investigation, there is, a, there is a, 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 a verdict. After the verdict, it goes back to the family and they're given these, these options. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says here, um, this needs to be explained, right? The free man will be killed for the free, the slave will be killed for the slave, and the woman will be killed for the woman. So this ayah, there's a lot of discussion around it. What, what, what you have to understand is, number one, uh, the concept of people being free and some people not being free was something that was very relevant and very present at the time of the Prophet ﷺ. And today, you don't have that concept, right? So... For us, it's almost um, uh, uh, something that it's not... Uh, a lot of times when something is described that happened a thousand years ago, you struggle to kind of understand it because you don't live that time. The concepts, you don't understand them. And in a thousand times, people will probably be wondering what pen and paper is, right? Or whatever the case is, a lot of things. So times change, and then societies change, so it's hard to imagine. But the laws are, 
are, are, are stationary, the laws are the laws. So how the law is here telling you, within the Arabs, within the Arabs at that time, they, when a woman would kill a man, she wasn't, uh, or, or, or certain women were held in higher regard than other women because of their tribe. Certain men were held in high regard because they were, they were uh, of an honorable tribe. Certain slaves were deemed more important because, oh, this is the slave of Jahl. If he kills the slave of whatever, whoever, so this would happen. So there was this, this class system almost, right? And we know this because even when, when a Bani Makhzum, this uh, woman, a woman from the tribe of Bani Makhzum, and she stole something, the Sahaba felt like it was inappropriate for her to be dealt with with the punishment. And they sent Osama bin Zayd to the Prophet ﷺ to tell the Prophet ﷺ, maybe you can let her off because she's such an important woman, right? The Prophet got extremely upset at this and said, um, the only reason why the people that came before you were destroyed is because they used to distinguish between the elite and the regular folk and say, the laws don't really apply to the elite, they only apply to the regular folks. And the Islam doesn't have it. Right? If the most important person kills, or the, mo- the least important person kills, the law will be dealt with, will be dealing with them the same. This is the concept of fairness. The Prophet ﷺ got rid of that. This ayah is saying that you, retribution will be, uh, be done, no matter who you are. Now, a mis'ala that arises, that's quite important is, and also, Ibn Kathir mentions that the Sawa Nuzul of this ayah, the reason of revelation of this ayah was that within the, uh, there were three main Jewish tribes in Medina. Banu uh, Nadir, Banu Quraidha, and Banu Ghaynuqa. So, Banu Nadir were the elite among the Yahud. So, they used to go at war with each other as well. Within the Jewish traditions, uh, the Jewish tribes, they used to go at war with each other. And they had a rule where if a Banu Nadir person was killed, Blood, the, 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 the killer must be killed as well. But if it was vice versa, they would say, take some dates and some food, and we're very sorry. Something along those lines. So there was an, a, a, an inequality there. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that this inequality is unacceptable. A mas'ala that uh, also is discussed by our scholars is that if, um, does a, if a woman kills a man, and a, or if a woman kills a man, uh, is she going to be held responsible? Yes. And vice versa, same thing. So uh, what about if a master who owns someone kills his slave? Will he be held accountable? The majority of the ulama in the past, not majority, but many of the ulama in the past would say yes. And among them uh, were uh, Abu Hanifa, radiallahu anhu, ghafarallahu lahu. Abu Hanifa, he, he mentioned that there is no distinction between station gender, age, or anything like that, because there is a general verse in the Qur'an, and nafs bin nafs, a life for a life, a soul for a soul. And who followed her in this? Al-Imam Al-Thawri had this opinion. Allah uh, Musta'an, it was Ibn Abi Layla, Qatada, uh, these are all famous scholars from, from the Salaf. Uh, Ibrahim al-Nakha'i, another great scholar and, uh, from, from the Tabi'een. This is narrated from Ali ibn Talib, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, uh, Sa'id ibn Musayyid, the great Tabi'een. All of the, they said uh, there is no distinction, right? And Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah said this is the strongest opinion, although there are other views. And in our time, uh, I remember Shaykh ibn Uthameen was asked the same thing and he was teaching, uh, he was teaching a Hanbali text uh, and Within the mainstream Hanbali opinion, they do make some distinctions. Uh, 
So he was refuting that and saying, no, the actual stronger opinion that is in line with the Quran is anna nafsa bi nafs, a soul for a soul, a nafs for a nafs, and Allah knows best. So, uh, uh, so no matter who you are, you uh, you you can be held. Responsible if you kill someone and then your life, the sanctity of your life. I keep saying this with the sanctity of your life. Why am I saying this? Because the default position is everyone's life has is sacred, is sacred, and that sacredness can be removed. It's not permanent. Your life isn't sacred forever. You can do things that will remove that sanctity, right? And what are some of those things if you kill someone? What are some of those things? If you uh, commit zina while you were married, uh, for example. This is another one. If you do it and you get caught, then the sanctity of your life has been removed and the hat will be put upon you. And there are other examples of that, right? This is, of course, again, I'm saying this and I'm repeating this. This is when you are in the uh, setting where the Quran and Sunnah is being applied. And it can only be applied in, in this sense by the authority. By the Authority. So, what if there is no authorities to apply these? Then these these, these rules are not, are not are not are not put in place. Okay. Allah then says, "But if the culprit is pardoned, so if the killer is pardoned, who can pardon him? The family can pardon him. Has that happened? Yes, it has happened many times before, right? Um, is pardoned by his aggrieved brother. So, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and this is something you'll find interesting in the Quran. Whenever Allah talks about people killing each other, Allah reiterates the fact that we are brothers. In Surah Al-Hujarat, Allah says, وَإِن ضَائِفَتَانِ الْمُؤْمِنِ فَأَصْلِحُوا بَيْنَهُمَا Allah talks about if two groups of the, of the believers fight each other. Why is Allah talking about believers fighting each other? Because we are human beings, and we do sometimes very, um, uh, we, we tend to get, to, 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 we, we are oppressive. And we sometimes attack each other and hurt each other and kill each other. And that can escalate into countries fighting each other or groups fighting each other. And it happened many times, even in the time of the Salaf. So what should be done when two groups fight each other? The, Allah says, rectify and reconcile between them. When two groups take arms against each other, what's going to happen? They're going to be doing what? They're going to be a lot of killing, right? Reconcile between them. And if one group insists on keeping on fighting, then join the other group and, and take care of the ones that are, are now being unjust, right? So there are two groups and they are fighting, and, and then we all came in between and we said, listen, okay, and uh, ceasefire, fair Allah, we're all brothers, let's solve the situation, right? If one of them insists and keeps on doing the, then they should be stopped by enemies necessary. Does that make sense? But then Allah in the following ayah says, remember, Believers are brothers. So reconcile between your brothers. Why? Because even if you're a Muslim, if you're a Muslim, then you're my brother. Even if you're not related. Even if we are, we, we've just met. Even if you've harmed me. You are still my brother even if you've killed my family members. Because the brotherhood is within what? Islam. And that bond stays. So Allah is mentioning, although I, I have the complete right after the investigation over to say, you know what? This person killed my family member. I want him executed. I have the complete right to say that. But Allah is reminding us that this person is your brother. So whoever forgives, Allah uh, says, whoever forgives the, if the culprit is pardoned from Mu'afilahum, min akhi, he buys a great brother, then, fattiba'un, uh, Allah says, uh, So what happens here? Once 
you're pardoned. Stage two, what was it? If they say, okay, I don't want to execute him, then what's gonna, what happens? They have to pay what? The blood money. And then Allah saying, if that is the case, then follow up. فَاتِّبَاعٌ بِالْعَرُوفِ Then it means, uh, this shall be adhered to fairly. And the corporate shall, shall pay what is due fairly as well. Meaning, follow up the payment in a decent manner and let him pay the family in a decent manner as well. So keep it civil. This means what? You're aggrieved. You're the one who's lost a family member. And you said, okay, fair enough. Uh, I'll take the blood money. I don't want this person to be executed. And you know how it usually happens? Especially uh, what happens is, this person, the culprit, the killer's family, will speak to our family. Listen, okay, we know he did it. Uh, we're very sorry. If, if, if your son died, we don't have to also add my son. Please, uh, please, we'll pay the money. Please forgive him. They will, they will appeal, right? What happens, right? Uh, this, this is what they would do. Uh, the family has to come out and say, no, I, it's not, you know, he transgressed. Uh, execution. But, they can keep insisting and asking and sending people and, and uh, they can keep insisting and if they keep, okay fine. Uh, the, and also, uh, then when they agree on a, the, on the blood money, then they have to pay. But you, the family that is going to be paid shouldn't be knocking on doors and, and you know, holding them by gunpoint, giving them money. That's not how it works. So you should get what you're owed in a civil manner. And those that are now paying, so now their child or their culprit or their criminal is safe now. He won't be killed, right? But they have to what? They have to pay. So when that happens, they can't, um, he can't delay the payment on purpose. He can't say, my money is tied down, give me a year, give me two years. You can't do that as well. So there's a command for both sides to act in a civil and decent manner as it relates to this. Does that make sense? Another point here is the family is also allowed to forgive the dia. The word dia means the blood money. They can forgive that. They can even half it. They can, they can say, you know what, you're a very poor family. I know you can't pay everything, so you can pay. So this is all negotiation based. Whatever everyone agrees upon. Does that make sense? Then there's another option, which is complete pardoning. Uh, I was told about the story. Uh, this 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 um, this happened in Africa. Uh, it was a, a young a young man. He killed someone, and his father found out that his the father found out that his son got killed, and uh, um, the culprit was brought to him. Right, uh, culprit. This is the person that killed your son. How do you proceed? I mean, and he said, he just said, um, he he said, my son will never come back. And there's no need for you to go into the ground as well. And he forgave him, right? He forgave him. And that had such a huge impact on the killer that he ended up almost being a son to, the, to this man. Dedicated his life in service and his support to him, right? So forgiveness can be powerful. I've actually been told, I need to look this up. I've been told that there's a famous Egyptian sheikh who used to read tafsir, uh, Sha'rawi. I've been told that he forgave someone that killed his brother. I'm not sure if that's true, but and it looked it up that he, he forgave someone uh, like that. And this happens, this happens. And forgiveness is something, uh, it's a lofty character to have to forgive others. Uh, uh, There's one ayah that really summarizes the importance of pardoning and forgiving people. Allah says in the Quran, Fafu. 
وصفحوا let go and pardon and forgive الا تحبون يغفر الله لكم do you not wish Allah forgives you do you not wish Allah forgives you and the answer is yes we want Allah to forgive us oh Allah forgive our sins so always remember this if someone tells you please forgive me remember remember at that moment when someone you someone harmed you right Someone insulted you, someone harmed you, someone oppressed you. Even parents, the children, oh father, I did wrong, please forgive me. Right? This is a powerful word. Like whenever someone says, forgive me, that's a powerful word. And always remember the ayah. Do you not love for Allah to forgive you? And the answer is what? Yes, may Allah forgive us. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, whoever pardons, let him adhere to it fairly And the culprit shall pay what is due in a good way as well In a good way as well Or be ihsan actually And then Allah said This affair The affair of what? Of giving the options Of not the capital punishment But the payment Not the payment But the forgiving These options This is It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Making it easy. It's an alleviation from your Lord. Allah says, an act of mercy. It's an act of mercy for this option to be available. If you think about it, if during the time of Prophet Musa السلام, this option was not available, then making it available to the Ummah Prophet Muhammad is a sign of what? Of Rahmah. And also, um, it shows you that uh, the, 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 the law is still intact to deter people from killing. The mercy is there by giving these options. Does that make sense? Baib. تخفيف من ربكم ورحمة. Then Allah Subhanahu wa Taala said, فمن اعتدى بعد ذلك. This is very important. فمن اعتدى بعد ذلك. If anyone after this, after the blood money has been paid, after the person has been forgiven, after that has been put in writing, when the family has pardoned the culprit, after that is done, if then they go after the person, if they then go after the person. The person that they supposedly pardoned, the person that paid the bill, if they go after that person, ذلك, Allah says, whoever exceeds after that, then to him shall be a great punishment. Meaning what? If you've been wronged, and you chose to pardon, you can't then say, you know what, after a year, I changed my mind. You can't do that. Right? Once you, you forgive the person, you can't, what did the kids say? No take backs? You can't, uh, you can't, you can't, uh, yes, you can't take back your words. Ethan. This is important uh, to remember. And it also shows you, and what if they do? What if they do? What if someone does? After a year or so, he saw the person, I don't know, it really bothered him. He went and he did something or shot the person. Then he will be held accountable as a killer. As a killer. Um, so, and, and, and the whole point of the qisas and the, and the whole point of the law is to reduce killers, not increase them, right? I read an interesting anecdote, it's a funny statement the, the other night. It was, if you kill a killer, there's still equal amount of killers in the world. <laughs> Did you guys get that? <laughs> if you kill a killer, there's an equal amount of killers. No, because now you're, 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 you've become the, the killer, subhanAllah. May Allah protect us from that, by the way. May Allah protect us from the blood of others. Um, and for him will be a painful torment. May Allah forgive us. Um, then Allah says, 
What's the point of the qisas? The qisas is the retribution. What's the point of it? And retribution isn't only for murder, right? If uh, Allah says in the Quran, an eye for an eye, was sin, sin, right? If whatever you do to someone, there's equal retribution. Why is that law in place? What's the benefit of the Allah? Of the Allah? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَلَكُمْ فِي الْقِصَاصِ حَيَاتٌ يَعُلِ الْأَلْبَابِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ And with regards to fair retribution, there is life in it for you. وَلَكُمْ فِي الْحَيَاتِ قِصَاصِ The qisas, there is a life in it for you. What does that mean there is life in it for you? It means this very strict law of if you kill someone, if you murder someone, then you will definitely be killed or you can be killed. Which one is it? You can be killed, depending on what? The investigation and also the family's decision. This very strict law to be in place, it is to deter would-be killers. And if many would-be killers say, whoa, I don't want to risk it, this will decrease the amount of killings that are happening, which will increase and protect life. So with this law, there is life. Does that make sense? وَلَكُمْ فِي الْقِصَاصِ حَيَاتٌ But who will understand this? Ya ulil albab, Allah says, O oh, people of understanding, this law has life in it for you, O oh, people of understanding. So you may so that you may guard yourself against what is wrong. Right? What is wrong? InshaAllah ta'ala, we're going to conclude here today. Barakallah uh, to summarize uh, the ayats that we're talking about. Number one, uh, what is qisas? You've learned that qisas is fair retribution. And when one harms another, then within Islam, we have the concept of that there will be retribution, but that is only done by what? By the authority. So we don't do vigilantism. We can't all just say, today, we're going to start applying that. And one that, once the authority is in place, there is a due process. There is an investigation. And once the verdict is reached by the scholars and the judges, then the final option is left for the Families who are given three options, uh, which one of them is the capital punishment, the other one is the blood money, and the third one is uh, to, to pardon completely. Whichever option they choose is then done. If they choose to pardon, they cannot then commit transgression. While these negotiations are happening or the payment is due, each side should do it in a civil and, and good manner. And if those that then after the, 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 uh, after it's all over, and they, and they've pardoned. If they then after that seek revenge and accede and do i'tida and transgression, then Allah said for those there is a adabun alim, there is a painful torment in the hereafter, and they will also be held accountable by the authorities in the dunya. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explained the benefit of this law, the hikmah, the wisdom, and indeed with the, the law of retribution, there is a life in it for you. And we explain what that means because it will deter people from killing each other and then this will ensure that people are protected and not scared when they are going outside. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then said to the people of understanding so that you may uh, um, have, uh, may protect yourself. Barakallahu feekum. Hadha wa akhru da'wana alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.